Back in March, as states started going into lockdown, the gears that kept the economy flowing also ground to a halt. People stopped spending money. And their recovery will depend on when they start spending it again. This is Pandemic Economics, a podcast about the global impact of COVID-19 from Stitcher and the Becker Friedman Institute for Economics. I'm Tess Vigland. And I'm Eduardo Porter. We've been invited to have this series of conversations with University of Chicago economists. And in this episode, we're taking a look at one of the most important economic indicators of all, consumer spending. When people stop spending money, it has an enormous effect on just about everything. And Eduardo, you know, despite any other type of recovery, including the stock market, if people don't spend money, the economy stays in a recession. And I think that's been kind of a source of confusion for Americans recently. Yeah, it's very clear that we have the stock market reacting to Fed policy. So as long as the investors have this confidence that the Fed is going to keep pumping money into the economy, buying all sorts of bonds, you know, this money is going to go somewhere and it's going to seek assets to buy. And, you know, stocks are those assets. Stocks are part of those assets, but that does not put money into people's wallets. That's true. It's totally divorced. And, you know, for the general consumer, they just have to understand that what they're seeing in terms of stock market movement is not reflective of what's happening in the overall economy. And who knows what the stock market's going to do over the next, like, two weeks, let alone, you know, the next two months, right? It's just, you know, up 20%, then down six, and then who knows what. Exactly. And yet at the same time, we're not seeing hiring go up 20% and then down, which is really the important part of what's happening right now, because if hiring doesn't happen, people are not going to start opening their wallets again. So we're going to talk with Constantine Yanellis and Michael Weber of the Booth School of Business. Michael and his co-authors conducted a study to see when and how people stopped spending as the pandemic began. And Constantine and his co-authors looked at how people spent their stimulus money, if at all, and what that means for any sort of economic recovery. Michael, you were really breaking it down to the family and individual here. So I wanted to first ask you what you found about how people are feeling about their financial situations, or at least what they were when you conducted the survey. What did your respondents report? Well, yeah, so imagine you ask households, how concerned are you about the current situation on a scale from one to 10, with 10 being most concerned. You see actually that the median answers is actually the full-blown 10. Wow. Just giving you an idea that as of early April, when we conducted the survey, People had a very pessimistic outlook, both actually for their own personal financial situation, but also for the overall economy. Well, let's look specifically at what you both found in terms of the public basically shutting their wallets during lockdown. Clearly, nobody going shopping, nobody going to restaurants, at least in person. But how much did aggregate spending drop? And where did that money go instead? Did they move it to savings? Did they put it under the mattress? Michael? We just asked our survey participants over the last three months, by how much did you actually spend in different categories? And what you see here is that overall spending per month on average dropped by a staggering 25 percentage point or differently. On average, I typically spend like $5,000 a month. 
But now actually during the height of the pandemic, my spending dropped uh, to about less than 4,000 US dollars. Wow. So if I'm actually in an uncertain situation and I don't know whether I will still have a job in let's say half year down the road, I might actually just starting to spend less and start increasing savings to actually have somewhat of a cushion in case actually the bad state of the world might materialize. So people really went back to the basics of just putting the money in the bank. Exactly. Uh-huh. Constantine, you were looking at where the money went from the CARES payments. And, and again, some people got $1,200 checks, some people got less, some people got uh, money as well for their children. What did you find in terms of where that money went? So we found that the largest category in which individuals were spending money was food. They also spent in other uh, areas like household uh, items, restaurant deliveries. And this actually looked fairly similar to previous stimulus payments in most uh, categories, Hmm. with one notable exception, which actually is uh, important in uh, aggregates. And that's durable spending. By durables, I mean things like cars, washing machines, computers. Refrigerators. Exactly, that kind of stuff. We also found that a significant portion of uh, the stimulus payments went to meeting various spending commitments, such as mortgages and credit card payments. What about who was spending? You know, Michael, as as you note in your paper, there was a lot of discussion about whether stimulus money should go to people with higher incomes and who hadn't lost their jobs or whether it should be reserved for those who were in the most dire of straits. What did you find in terms of where the money went, depending on the financial situation that people were in before the pandemic? Yeah, so this is actually a very interesting uh, point. So if you give uh, people a dollar to spend, Typically, you see it's actually those called hand-to-mouth consumers, meaning households with very little savings on hand. That would typically actually consume the largest fraction of that dollar versus if you give it to a high-income households, they would just put it in their bank account and you wouldn't find any of this uh, so-called multiplier effect in the sense that I spent my dollar, then the person selling me something actually earns a dollar, can himself actually now purchase goods and so on. Instead, actually, this time, you actually find that it's especially households that are in the mid and upper range of the income distribution that actually cut their spending by less. Or saying it differently, Hmm. it is that this time, especially households that have very little savings, that actually have low income, that actually try to make sure that in case I lose my job or I have to cut my hours even further, or I'm not being recalled uh, by my employer in a few months once the pandemic is over, I still actually have enough cash on hand to be able to sustain my lifestyle and support my family. Why do you think that difference came into play? I think this is partially due to the fact that the recession this time has just arrived so swiftly and quickly. We have never seen such actually a stark rise in in initial claims within such a short period of time. But I think actually just the strength, depth, and the size of the shock are unprecedented, at least all the way back to the Great Depression. And so therefore, I think actually things might look slightly different than from our conventional recession. Coming up, we'll talk about where else Americans have clamped down on their spending, And that's in paying off debt. 
another sign that any sort of recovery may be a long ways off. Stay with us for more pandemic economics in just a minute. Let's talk about debt. Mortgage debt, car payments, rent, credit card debt. Constantine, you already brought these up as one of the major categories of spending for the stimulus money. Michael, these categories are generally not discretionary spending. What did respondents tell you about whether or not they kept making those payments? Yeah, that's actually a potentially very worrisome development that we actually highlight in our papers. On the one hand, the average household cut their spending on debt payments by about $400 per month. But I think there's about like 12% of households that stopped servicing their debt altogether. Huh. So they stopped paying the mortgage, they stopped paying the car payment, stopped paying rent, whatever their situation was. Uh-huh, indeed. But actually, even among those that continue paying some debt, you see actually that what we call the, the intensive margins, so in the sense, how much debt do you repay, conditional on repaying any debt? This margin also is actually reduced by 15%. So therefore, you know, not only do we see less people actually service that debt, but conditional on servicing the debt, it also looks like people actually make only partial payments. Now, of course, what does this mean on the flip side? So on the one hand, we might be concerned that you might also have financial institutions seeing actually fallouts down the road, which might actually help partially explain the increase in loan loss provisions. Like, you know, if I'm a bank and I have a big outstanding debt portfolio, I might actually take into account that there's a chance that borrowers might not repay. And so therefore, I already might have some loan loss provisions to account for future defaults. So the banks are having to follow this as well and change their behavior. Exactly. So banks will have to adjust their behavior, which of course, then if I have to keep money on my balance sheet, because I see the risk that actually households might not pay back, this of course, then also might actually put a downward pressure on my new loan supply. So people aren't paying their mortgages, they're not paying their car payments. So the bank has that on the books and therefore they are not as willing to lend out to businesses or pretty much anybody else. Exactly. Then what does this information about debt payments and and really non-payment tell us about the effects of that on the economy moving forward and our ability to somehow drag ourselves out of this recession. Constantine, clearly having a lot of debt on the books and people not paying their bills is problematic in the long term. Certainly. And a major concern about uh, this crisis is that even uh, if the health situation improves in the medium uh, term, which may very well uh, happen, and which may be great, is that we're going to be stuck for a long time with the knock-on effects coming from increased levels of uh, debt. Michael, what about you and in terms of this ongoing debt problem, people not paying their bills? We see that for many financial institutions, it is actually in their best interest to offer households various ways of only making partial payments to, let's say, their mortgages and credit cards in the hope that they might recoup the outstanding payments at a later date. So therefore, we don't see uh, big waves of household uh, defaults and foreclosures. So to the extent we can actually prevent consumer defaults going forward, I think actually will be a crucial ingredient to ensure we do not have a protracted recession. 
Michael, in your survey, did you get a sense at all of how much the clampdown on spending would or could last? Like, what will loosen wallets again? Yeah, so at least when we fielded our survey, we were asking them, you know, now in the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, did you change your plans to purchase durables? And the reason why we focused on durables, so larger ticket items like electronics, washing machines. Expensive stuff. Expensive stuff, exactly. So therefore, we just asked individuals, you know, do you think right now it's a good time to buy larger ticket items? And actually, uh, across the board, you will see a large cut in spending plans. For example, the fraction of the U.S. population that has plans to purchase a car over the next 12 months was about 24% in early January and actually went down to a little bit more than 15% in April of this year. So again, a very tremendous and large cut in the fraction of the population that plans to purchase cars. So that's a real downward spiral. Constantine, what brings us out of that? This crisis was caused by a new virus and we're not going to see things return to normal until either one of two things happen. One, either there's vaccine and treatment, or two, there's herd immunity. But I don't think uh, we're qualified to say when this crisis will uh, end as economists, simply because it's going to depend on uh, the health uh, situation first and foremost. So that really is all about uncertainty at this point. Yes, and one thing that's uh, very important is to think about how policymakers, households, and businesses should be making decisions. But one key takeaway is that if there's more uncertainty, that's a reason for caution, which is why uh, we're seeing households cut back uh, spending. Michael, any final thoughts from you, particularly in terms of, you know, looking at debt and spending at this point in the country? What determines how much I spend today versus tomorrow or don't spend at all, how much I save versus consume is heavily affected by my economic outlook. And at least here through the lens of household expectations, we might actually see some very protracted recession because if I'm very pessimistic about the outlook of the U.S. economy, I will not actually spend. And so therefore, the first and foremost uh, channel through which I get the economy back on track is making sure that we uh, fight the pessimism that is actually throughout the U.S. economy. But that can only happen once we've actually a solution to fight the pandemic, which Constantine was saying can only occur after we have a vaccine. But until that happens, we will be dealing with an economic shock, the likes of which the world has never seen before. In our next episode, we'll hear how the lockdowns have produced an entirely new kind of recession. Pandemic Economics is produced by the University of Chicago's Becker Friedman Institute for Economics. Our producers are Devin Robbins and Dana Bialik. Our executive producer is Ellen Horn production and original music by Story Mechanics. Pandemic Economics is part of the University of Chicago Podcast Network. I'm Eduardo Porter. And I'm Tess Vigland. Thanks for listening. <laughs>